Now let me ask you this morning, what do you see in front of you? Uh-huh. Numbers? Oh, sige, okay. Accountant ka talaga. What do you see? Okay, calendar. Now, watch out. Now what do you see? Ah, now you see calendar, but with pins. Some blue, some red, some dates have it, some dates do not. What does that mean? If you have a calendar that has a mark, what does that mean? Huh? You have appointments. You have appointments. That's why you marked out a, a certain date in the calendar. Now, what is an appointment? An appointment is an arrangement to meet someone at a particular time and place. Synonyms is meeting, engagement, interview, arrangement, consultation, or session. I've entitled our message this morning just simply, Appointments. We had an appointment this morning to come here at what time? 9.30, right? Tomorrow, some of you have appointments to go to work. I go to work from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. I wake up at 5, leave the house at 5.30, get to my workplace about 6.15, 6.20, have my breakfast, go to my workstation, ready to work at 7. So what are the appointments that you like? Birthday, Gian, you like the appointment? <laughs> Turning 18, having a celebration, yes! Dental appointment. Uy. Doctor's appointment. Appointment with the mortuary. Oh. Not yet. Right? Not yet. Lord, not yet, Lord. Right? But every one of us has an appointment. And some of those appointments, God changes around for some reason. I shared with you, my wife and I, on the encouragement of Pastor Danny, we together with Pastor Danny and Sister Grace, we started CCFLA. But my appointment to come to the U.S. in February of 2010 had nothing, absolutely nothing to do with putting up CCFLA. Putting up CCFLA was the farthest from my mind. I have been a Christian since about 1988. I began serving the Lord 89-90, first as a worship leader. And then I became full-time pastor for music and worship and media and ushering and tech. Package deal na. Right? Isa lang naman ang bayad eh. Diba? Eh, Chinese yung ating senior pastor. Di makatipid. Uh, pastor, uh, Brother Sean will report me because Brother Sean is the classmate of Pastor Peter. Right? So, you know, package deal. But I resigned. I resigned from my position as full-time pastor in January of 2010. Because my wife was afflicted with end-stage renal failure. And the doctors in Manila told us that she needs to be prepared for dialysis. 
I said, wait a minute. We will go to the U.S. We will get a second opinion. So in that process, Pastor Danny and Sister Grace visit us in the hospital, and he plants the idea. Do you think God wants us to put up CCFLA? And all I said was, I'm game if you're game. And Pastor Peter comes here in July to perform and officiate a wedding. The rest is history. It was not my appointment. I had no idea. I had no vision. I had no desire. But God changed the appointment. This morning, we're going to look at an appointment that God also changed. And it is my prayer that you see how God can impact your life through appointments. Because with God, there are no accidents. They are just appointments. Let's pray. God Almighty, we thank you for how you have brought us together these past seven years. And we look forward to the next years that you will bless us with as we remain faithful to the mission that you have called us to do. Because your promise is if we engage in discipleship, intentional discipleship, that you will be with us every step of the way. And if you are with us, there is no mountain too high, no valley too deep, no river too wide, that we will be able to reach our families, our communities, our societies with the gospel for your glory. Be pleased to speak to all of us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We pick it up in Acts chapter 8. But before I show you the verse, and I hope you have your Bibles with you, maybe physical Bibles or in your phone, we're going to read from, chap from Acts chapter 8. Now, the background is this. In Acts chapter 8, Jesus had gone, had already returned to heaven. And he had already commissioned his disciples to preach the gospel. So there were a lot of people being saved as they were faithful to preaching the gospel about Jesus Christ. By this time, the apostle Paul had not yet been converted. He, apostle Paul, was busy trying to persecute Christians. But the gospel was spreading and if you read your Bible, you will know that at one time, 3,000 people, people were saved at one preaching of the gospel. This was done by Peter. And the Lord was continually adding their number daily. So we pick it up in Acts chapter 8. So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. The gospel is available to anyone and everyone. If you know, Jews and Samaritans don't want to have anything to do with each other. As a matter of fact, they are mortal enemies. But the gospel is made available to anyone and everyone, including your enemies. So the gospel was being preached, and now this group was going back to Jerusalem. And as they were going back, they were sharing the gospel even through the villages in, Sama in Samaria. That's why they were sharing the gospel to the Samaritans. 
Now, verse 26. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. His appointment was to go back to Jerusalem. What did God do? God intervened and God changed his appointment. Instead of you going back to Jerusalem, Philip, I want you to get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. If God directs you to do something, what should you do? Obey it. Just do it. Philip was told, instead of going there, you go to a road that goes to Gaza. So what does he do? So he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Look at this guy. Philip was commanded by God to go south to Gaza instead of going home to Jerusalem. What did he do? He obeyed immediately. And what happened? He encountered this Ethiopian eunuch. Now what is a eunuch? A eunuch is a male. They have been castrated because they are usually in charge of taking care of a woman in the palace. So to avoid any physical intimacy, they are castrated. Now, this guy is no ordinary eunuch. He was a foreigner, a man from Ethiopia. In the Old Testament, the name of Ethiopia is Cush. Cush is one of the children of Ham. Ham is the son, one of the sons of Noah. So if you're Ethiopian, your lineage goes back to Cush. You're a Cushite. So because he comes from the line of the son of Ham, who is the son of Noah, he has some idea of God. He has some kind of idea of what religion is. That's why if you look at it, he had come to Jerusalem to what? To worship. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. Now what kind of eunuch is he? He is not an ordinary eunuch. He is in charge of the treasure of Queen Candace. He is powerful. He is trusted. As a matter of fact, he doesn't walk. He has a chariot. Look, he has a chariot. While other people during their time have to walk, this guy was rich. He had a chariot. I don't know if BMW or... But he had a chariot. He didn't have to walk. James, home please. He had a chariot. And what was he doing in his chariot? Look at the verse. He was sitting in his chariot and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Again, 
telling us that this guy is rich. Why? Not everybody has a copy. This guy had a copy of the writings of the prophet Isaiah. Now, the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. What would Philip do? Obey. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. So as, as Philip is, huh? he's reading and he's reading aloud. And what is he reading? Isaiah the prophet. And then Philip, who does not know this man from Adam as they say, goes up and asks him a question. Do you understand what you're reading? Remember, this guy is going to Jerusalem for the purpose of worship. We give him the benefit of the doubt that he has come some kind of idea of religion, being, the great, being a descendant from Noah. Okay? And Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? Many of us have a religious background, yes? And many of us followed whatever the rest of us was doing, yes? But if we are really honest with ourselves, did we really understand what we were doing and why we were doing it? My friend, such is religion. Such is religion. We just go with the flow. It must be right because the rest of them are doing it. Now going back to this guy, this guy had a copy of the writings of Isaiah the prophet. This is now in the New Testament times, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I? How could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. This eunuch, rich, trusted, very powerful, was humble enough to admit how can I understand what I'm reading if nobody helps me to understand it? Help me, teach me, guide me. This happens in the discipleship group when you can, where you can ask, brother, what does this verse mean? And what does this verse mean to me? He was humble enough to ask, how will I know? And Paul writes in Romans, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How then will they believe whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just it is written, just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of good tidings. Unless somebody explains to you, this cross has no value to you. This cross will remain a religion to you. But when somebody explains to you, and you understand. And God begins to remove the blinders of your eyes and the blinders of your heart. Oh, 
this cross is salvation to me. This cross is relationship, not religion. Now, the passage of Scripture he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. He's reading from the prophet Isaiah. And this is an excerpt of what he was reading. And he is reading about Jesus Christ. But he didn't understand. He didn't even know who this passage was talking about. And he asked again. The eunuch answered Philip, please tell me. Please tell me of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or someone else? Was Isaiah talking about himself or someone else? So what does, Peter do? what does Philip do? Then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning from this scripture, what scripture? This scripture. He was led to a sheep, to a slaughter, as a lamb, etc., etc. He began to preach from that scripture that the eunuch was reading from. But what did he do? And he preached Jesus to him. That passage in Isaiah is talking about Jesus Christ. And Philip used that same passage to explain the gospel of Jesus Christ to him. Why do I say it is about Jesus Christ? Well, in context, this is what that passage or excerpt from Isaiah 53 reads. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. By his scourging, we are healed. All of us are like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. So Isaiah was talking about Jesus Christ, not about himself. And it continues, he was oppressed, he was afflicted yet. Here we go. He did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like sheep that is silent before its shearers, he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And for his generation who considered that he was cut off of the land of the living for the transgressions of my people to whom, was the, to whom the stroke was due. So he used Isaiah to tell the eunuch, this passage is not talking about Isaiah. This passage is talking about Jesus Christ, who would one day be bruised and pierced through for our transgressions. Because God the Father decided that the penalty of our sins would fall on Christ. Then Philip opened his mouth. And began preaching the gospel. And he explained Jesus to him. Do you think that the eunuch understand? That he understood? I believe he understood. 
Why? As they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, water. What prevents me from being baptized? Baptism is an act of coming out in the open, declaring in public what you have inside. And he is making a statement. I am declaring myself a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have understood the Bible. I have understood what Jesus Christ has done and what Jesus Christ has done for me. Now, why can I not be baptized? Here is some water. I want to make a public declaration of my being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, you can read all the Bible you can from Genesis to Revelation. But unless and until you have encountered the Jesus Christ of the Bible, you will not want to come out and declare yourself, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. This guy, even if he had a copy of the writing of Isaiah, he didn't understand it. Somebody had to explain it to him. And Philip explained it to him that this person who was pierced through for our transgression, this person who was brought to the slaughter, King of kings and Lord of lords, did not open his mouth because God decided that your sin and mine fall upon him. He understood. And he wanted to make a public declaration. Here is some water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip answers, if you believe, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And what was his answer? And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Did he come to faith in Jesus Christ? Yes. Did he want to be baptized to make a public Declaration of his faith? Yes. That's why we baptize people. Behind this, we have a baptistry. Because Matthew 28 says, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all. So before we baptize people here, we ask, do you understand the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you know that he alone died for your sin?" And that without him, there is no salvation. Do you have a personal relationship with him? Yes. Do you commit to follow Jesus Christ all the days of your life? It's not going to be perfect. But is that your desire? Yes. And then we baptize them. He wanted to be baptized. And the question that Philip asked of him, do you believe? If you believe, you may. He answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Hold your horses. Stop the chariot. He ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went into the water. Philip as well as the eunuch. And he, Philip, baptized the eunuch. When he came out, out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. And the eunuch, was no, long, and the eunuch no longer saw him. But went on his way. Rejoicing. He had discovered 
who the book of Isaiah is referring to. It was referring to, to Jesus Christ. He understood who Jesus Christ is. And he made a public display of his allegiance to Jesus Christ by having himself baptized. But when he came out of the water, the guy who explained the gospel to him was no longer there. But what? He went on his way rejoicing. Why did God pull Philip out of that appointment? Because God had another appointment for Philip. Look, but Philip found himself in Azotus. And what was he doing in Azotus? He passed through preaching the gospel to the cities until he came to Caesarea. Philip was not going to go there. But God changed his appointment. You go over here. I want you to explain Jesus Christ to this eunuch. After the eunuch was baptized, okay, Philip, I have another appointment for you. You go to Azotus. What are you going to do there? Exactly what I tell you. Preach the gospel. And he kept on preaching the gospel until he came to Caesarea. Appointments. Every one of us has appointments. Some appointments we want to keep. Some appointments we want just to hide from that appointment. I don't want this appointment. I don't like to go to the dentist. I hate it. I don't like to go to the doctor. Because he might tell me something that I already know. <laughs> right? We had a member in CCF Manila. We were, we were still in uh, Valle Verde. I remember, I, I remember it clearly. Because he had an episode in the middle of the worship service. He collapsed. His blood sugar was 600 something. So, talagang nag-collapse. So, the next week, I asked him, okay. Doctor pa ito, ah. Oh, well, sports doctor. Doc, so what did the doctor say? I did not go to the doctor. Why? What if he tell me I'm sick? <laughs> you already know you are sick. You have high blood sugar. You have diabetes. But he didn't want to go to the doctor. Why? He doesn't want to make that appointment. Now, there are some appointments we can keep. There are some appointments we can reschedule. There are some appointments we can cancel. Yes? My friends, there is one appointment. All of us have the same appointment. And all of us cannot get out of that appointment. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says this. And in as much as it is what? Appointed for men to die once, and then after this comes judgment. Are you in that verse? You don't want to admit. <laughs> You're in that verse? Yes or no? Yes. I'm in that verse. All of us have an appointment. The latest statistics, 
100% of all human beings will die. We have this appointment. We cannot escape it. Inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once and then after face judgment. The man who hung on this cross died for your sin and mine. When he went back to heaven, from whence he came, he sits at the right hand of the Father. And one day will come when he will sit as judge. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 tells us, For we must all, here we go again, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We are all going to give an accounting. We are all going to meet that appointment to leave this earth. We are all going to meet that appointment to meet God one-on-one, face-to-face. That each one may give an account. It's not going to be like this. Oh, CCFLA, what did you do? No, 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 no. Sorry, Ia. I, Ephraim Lucero, come. It is your turn to be judged. Let me open the book. These are the good things that you have done. These are the bad things that you are done. Oh. But, you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. Enter. How about you? Oh, these are the oh, you've done a lot of good. You've done some bad. But oh, you do not have Jesus Christ. You cannot enter. For a person who is in Christ, the judgment is as to reward. For the person who does not know Christ, the judgment is condemnation. We all know John 3.16, right? We stop there. But John 3.17 says what? You are already condemned. It's not like I'm going to wait and then in the final judgment, God will call me and then he will declare, am I guilty or not guilty? The Bible teaches us that we are already guilty. And the only way to escape the punishment of the guilt of our sin is to trust Jesus Christ. So at the time of reckoning, at the time of judgment, the most important thing is for you to have Jesus Christ. The rest doesn't matter as much. Some translation says, in my father's house are many rooms. If you want the King James, siguro mas mayaman sila, they were richer. In my father's house are many mansions. For me, even if it's a shanty, so long as I am in heaven. Because in heaven, it's not about how big my house is. It's about the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about Jesus. It's not about whether a room, a house, a mansion. It's about Jesus. What did Jesus do anyway? 
He, God the Father, made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He was pierced through for our transgressions. The iniquity of us all fell on him. God the Father made him who knew no sin. The book of Hebrews tells us that he was tempted in every way, yet was without sin. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that in him we might have the righteousness of God. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. But God's free gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus Christ is not only Savior, He is King of kings and Lord of lords. There is a parallel verse from Isaiah in 1 Peter chapter 2. Who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. While being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. He himself bore our sins on his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. For by his wounds, you are healed. By his wounds, who should have been wounded? Who should have been scourged? Who should have been put to death? Me, because I am a sinner and the penalty for my sin is death. But because of the love of God and the grace of Jesus Christ, he took my sins, he nailed it to the cross, he died in my place. He didn't assign any proxy. He himself bore our sins on his body on the cross. So what? So that I could continue to sin? My friends, read the passage. So that we would live for righteousness so that we should live for God. Don't take Jesus Christ only as your Savior. Do not be deceived because God is not mocked. We have to live out the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives because through the work of Jesus Christ, the law of sin and death is broken. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was though in the flesh, God did. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. God is just, but God is a God of grace. If the wages, if the penalty for our sins is death and we cannot pay for it, how can we spend eternity with God in heaven? So God made a plan. He set an appointment. Son, you have to leave heaven for a while. 
you who authored creation must go to your creation and become one like them. You will grow up as a tender shoot. You will not live in the palace. You will be the son of a carpenter. Your birth will be unannounced and your first visitors are stinky shepherds. You will go to your people and your very own people will disown you. You will perform miracles for them, but they're just good feathered friends. The moment you stop, they will cry, crucify him, crucify him. And then you will go to a cross. You will suffer embarrassment. You will suffer ridicule. But you will go to the cross quiet as a lamb is being brought to the slaughter. Because by your going to the cross and you dying in their place, your creation will have the opportunity to spend eternity with their creator. This is my appointment for you. That's why before Jesus Christ died, what did he say? Father, I have done what you have asked me to do. And it is finished. I met the appointment and I have completed the appointment for you. All of us are going to die. But the prophecy in the book of Daniel says this. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake. These to everlasting life. But the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. It's a choice. You want to be with God in heaven for all eternity? You have to choose Christ. If you don't choose Christ, you've actually made a choice. You made a choice not to choose Christ. You will be part of those who will suffer disgrace and everlasting contempt. It's a choice. God gives us the freedom to choose. Jesus Christ missed an appointment. Seemingly, Jesus Christ missed a very important appointment. In John chapter 11, Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Word came to Jesus Christ. And the way that it was brought to him was this. Lord, the one whom you love is sick. What, if you do, what will you do if someone tells you that one of your loved ones is sick? You go. What did Jesus Christ do? He missed the appointment. He stayed an extra three days. Oh. And when he arrived, he was met with Martha. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother Lazarus would not have died. But she goes on to say, even now, whatever you ask of God, God will give you. She has some kind of faith, yes? You didn't make it in time, but because I know you are the son of God, I know whatever you ask of God the Father, God the Father will give you. 
right? There's some doubt, but there's some faith too. Yes? What did Jesus reply? Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Oh, good news. Diba? Yes. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. It's not yet appointed for my brother Lazarus to rise from the dead. I know his appointment to rise from the dead will be on the last day when the prophecy of Daniel will come to pass. Will everyone who is dead and buried will rise, some to eternal life, some to eternal condemnation. I know that, Martha says. I know that. He will rise on the last day. See, what, what was Martha relying on or thinking on or sure of about the resurrection of her brother Lazarus? An event. It was an event, an appointment that was about to take place sometime in the future. Yes? So if we stop here, oh, Jesus missed that appointment. Sayang. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus said to her, I, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Resurrection on the last day based on an event, a future promise of God that all the dead in Christ will rise. Yes? But what is Jesus Christ explaining to Martha? It's not an event. I am the resurrection and the life. What does it say? He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And he who lives and believes in me will never die. So salvation, resurrection is not an event. It is about the person of Jesus Christ. Now this is the truth. But Jesus asks, do you believe this? There are many truths. But unless you embrace it by faith, unless you believe it by faith, that truth will not impact your life. Is what Jesus Christ telling Martha the truth? Yes. But the question that Jesus Christ asked of Martha, Martha, do you believe this? The same question each and every one of us must answer. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. If you believe in him, even you are alive, you will not die because you will spend eternity with God in heaven. Do you believe it? That's the question. And how did Martha answer? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I have believed that you are the Christ the Son of God, even He who comes into the world. If God were to ask you this morning, do you believe in my Son, Jesus Christ? 
Do you believe that apart from him, you have no salvation? Do you believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life? Do you believe that he went to the cross carrying your sin? Do you believe that Jesus Christ can change your life? Turn it upside down. Turn it from the inside out. That you can still have an abundant life while you are here. And when God calls you to that appointment, you will spend the rest of eternity with him in heaven. Do you believe this? Martha said, yes. I believe that you are the Christ, Son of God, even he who comes into the world. You must express your faith. Why? Why? Why do I need to express my faith? The eunuch expressed his faith. How? Here's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? The Bible is silent. The Bible does not, does not explain to us the, the conversation that actually took place between Philip and the eunuch. But because of his response, we can say that the eunuch understand the gospel. He understood about Jesus Christ. And he demonstrated his knowledge by an outward act of obedience. Here is some water. What prevents me from being baptized? If you believe, you may and the eunuch said, I believe. And what happened? He was baptized. Why should I make a profession of faith? For the eunuch, it was baptism. For us, we must profess our faith in Christ. Why? Because the Bible tells us. What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the, with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So if you really believe in something, you will profess it. You will verbalize it. Because out of the overflow of your heart speaks the mouth. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Those of you who have come to faith in Christ. The Bible is telling you, you won't be disappointed. People will fail you. Your loved, one, your loved ones will fail you. But with Christ, you have no disappointment. Only appointments. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. And who are these? For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't care what you have done. He knows everything that we have done. But if you have Jesus Christ, if you place your faith in him, if you express your faith in Jesus Christ, knowing that you should go to hell because of your sin, know that Jesus Christ took the penalty of your sin. He nailed it to the cross. He died in your place. And now you want to profess and confess, I am going to follow you no matter what. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Or are you just participating in our worship service? Are you like that eunuch who wanted to go to Jerusalem for an appointment to worship God? Who had a copy of the writings of Isaiah going through the motions perhaps of religion but he didn't understand? It took someone to explain it to him. And I hope this morning I have explained to you who Jesus Christ is. Now it is up to you. What will you do with that information? I read for you in Romans chapter 10. They say that the distance between the human mind and the heart is approximately 13 inches. So you can know about Jesus Christ right here. Just like that eunuch, maybe, when he started. But when that information trickled down from his mind to his heart, here is some water. What prevents me from being baptized? Perhaps you are like him this morning. And Lord, what do I do? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved. But it doesn't stop there. Once you place your faith in Jesus Christ, God expects you to live for him. He himself bore our sins on his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. For by his wounds, we have been healed. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord God, that we have your word to study, to meditate on, to read, and to understand by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, if there is anyone here this morning who yet does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, will your Holy Spirit be the one, Lord, to speak to that person? It's not about us. It's not about CCF. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will do the surgery in that person's heart. And you will allow that person to come to you in faith. For that person just to say, Lord Jesus, I have sinned against you. And I know that salvation is only in you. For you died in my place. I invite you, Lord Jesus, to come into my life, come into my heart. And don't just be my Savior. Help me to live you. Live you out as the Lord of my life. That my life will bring glory and honor to your name. Give me that desire, Lord God. Change my heart. 
from the inside out that my life, my thoughts, my words, my actions may bring glory to your name. God Almighty, if there's any person here who needs to recommit their life to you, they say they've trusted your son Jesus Christ, but their life is not reflective of Jesus. God, will your Holy Spirit bring conviction in our midst and redirect our lives, Lord God, for we cannot do it on our own. We need your Holy Spirit, Lord God, to lead us, to guide us, to direct us. For apart from you, we cannot do anything. God, thank you for the free gift of eternal life. Thank you that you constantly forgive us of our sins. Thank you just for being who you are. Thank you for giving CCF these past seven years. And we pray, Lord God, that through this ministry that you have entrusted to us, many, many more souls will come to faith. That through the movement of your Holy Spirit, we might be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and disciple every family to Christ-likeness. That every member be a disciple and be a discipler. And that no family in this congregation, no person in this congregation is not connected to somebody else that will help them in their journey towards Christ-likeness. You are the answer, Lord God. You are the answer to our eternity. And you are the answer to our daily struggles. God, we thank you for not leaving us nor forsaking us. May the glory go to you now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's all stand. Let's all stand as we sing. Of God's goodness and God's faithfulness through CCF. Amen? Come on, we sing. Jesus, we celebrate your victory. Jesus, we revel in your love. Jesus, we rejoice you've set us free. Jesus, your death has brought us life. Come on, everybody now. Jesus, we celebrate your victory. Jesus, we revel in your love. Jesus. We rejoice you've set us free. Jesus, your death has brought us life. It was for freedom the Christ has set us free. No longer to be subject to a yoke of slavery. So we're rejoicing in God's victory. Our hearts responding to His love. Come on, we sing Jesus. Jesus, 
we celebrate your victory, Jesus. We revel in your love, Jesus. We rejoice you set us free, Jesus. Your death has brought us life. Your spirit in us, his spirit in us, releases us from fear. And the way to him is open, with boldness we draw near. And in his presence, our problems disappear. Our hearts responding to his love. Jesus. Everybody clap. To Jesus. We celebrate your victory. Jesus. We revel in your love, Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Everybody clap to Jesus. We rejoice you set us free, Jesus. Your death has brought us life. Sing that again, Jesus. Jesus. We celebrate your victory, Jesus. We revel in your love. Jesus, we rejoice you set us free. Jesus, your death has brought us. Jesus, your death has brought us. Jesus, your death has brought us life. Happy anniversary, CCF. Woo!